Hey guys, welcome to Storehouse Media. We're so excited to have you joining us this week. Our heartbeat is biblical doctrine, so we are here as a resource to provide the gospel and biblical teaching and how those two things are inseparable. Join us every week as we tackle different topics regarding faith, life, and truth, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Storehouse Media. Uh, This is podcast number two, right? And we are pumped about it. Uh, Got Gama here, got Israel back on the turntables, and we are pumped uh, to be here again today. Uh, Just so you know, if you didn't see our first one, which we did have a little bit of camera issues, but that'll get worked out. Uh, If you didn't see our first one, we strongly encourage you to start with session number one. Uh, because that's really what we stand for. That's the whole point of Storehouse yeah. Media yeah. is is the necessity of of biblical teaching, of biblical doctrine, and fixating your feet on that thing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if you didn't hear that one, please, please, please return to the first podcast and check that one out. Uh, if you did listen to it, then we are excited to have you back. We really hope that you enjoyed the first one, and we hope that you will enjoy this one as well. So, yep. yeah. All right. Um, with that, man, let's let's jump in. Let's jump in. We don't uh, want to waste their time. Yeah. So we are on. So on session two, we wanted to pick. Uh, we don't. You know, starting out, we're not trying to jump into anything long term. We're just kind of hitting a few things here and there that uh, Gama and I really felt like we could dish back and forth on really well. And so we picked a hard saying today. We picked a hard saying. Uh, and just before we really get into that passage. Just to give some introduction as to why we picked this hard saying specifically, which if you don't know the passage, some of you already know it. Maybe it's Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27. Some consider it literally the scariest passage. I was going to say that, yeah. the scariest passage. Yeah. Uh, Jesus literally lays a hammer down. Like, it is it is a terrifying uh, concept. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's so necessary, especially in our culture right now, because where we are uh, as millennials and Gen Z, man, we're coming off of a generation that fixated all their hope yeah. on whether or not they said a prayer yeah. right when they were a kid. Yeah. You know, and if you don't know what we're talking about, we're essentially talking about the sinner's prayer which is a it, it's a false doctrine. I mean, the whole concept of say this prayer and the Holy Spirit will enter you and you'll be saved forever is not biblical, right? There's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. None of that is a biblical concept. Yeah. And and you know what what's harder about it? And I don't know. I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I didn't convert till I was almost 24 years old. Um, but what you tend to see a lot of times, and and you know, I don't know what your experience is with this, but yeah. you see. A lot of times it's in kids' ministries and student ministries where they don't understand what true biblical gospel evangelism is yeah. or what salvation and regeneration and all that stuff is. Yeah. And so what they do instead is they have this emotionally manipulating message with lights and music or, you know, if it's little bitty kids, maybe it's not that intense, but yeah. it's like, hey, you don't want to go to that dirty old hell where it smells yeah. bad, you know? And so... Uh, then they basically just, you know, Hey, chant this prayer yeah, and you're saved. Right. Yeah. And it's like, man, that's not, yeah, there's no real explanation as to what salvation is. And, and, and I know there's some people that may think, okay, well, you're just making this, you know, too hard and, and blah. There's a, I don't remember the chapter. You might remember it in Luke. I think I actually just read it this morning. 
uh, no, it was yesterday I read it, but it, 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 counting the cost of discipleship, oh, right? Yeah. Jesus says, man, if you're going to go build a tower, yeah. you're going to think about what all it's going to cost you. Otherwise, you're going to halfway get there, not be able to finish, and everybody's going to laugh at yeah. you. And in the same concept, you need to count what it's going to cost you to follow me, yeah. right? Because if not, you get halfway in, and then you bail out, and everybody, you're a laughing stock. Yeah. And so it's important that we understand all the ins and outs of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And so... Um, I'm not discouraging. I'm not saying that, you know, you said the sinner's prayer, you're not saved. Maybe you're actually saved, but I can promise you right now, you were not saved because you said a prayer. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's just as superstitious as throwing salt over your shoulder, right? Like, yeah. And I think that, like, personally, like me growing up, so I did get the opportunity to grow up in church, mm-hmm. and I've said the sinner's prayer in my life before. And so I would say, personally, I've never had uh, a very dramatic or very radical. Uh, congregation or church where they they put all their hope and salvation on a sinner's prayer, mm-hmm. but they did grow up. So me looking at the sinner's prayer, I'm like, okay, well, it's possible. I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying it's possible. A sinner's prayer just came out of nowhere with good intent. Sure. You know what I mean? But what it's caused is for a lot of people to get lazy, say, hey, I did the sinner's prayer. I should be good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, no, I, I did the prayer. I did the prayer. And I remember, I, dude, me growing up as a kid, I did the sinner's prayer. I said the sinner's prayer multiple times to make sure. Yeah. I remember being eight years old. I had to go to a camp, a VBS or whatever, and they, they gave the opportunity to say a prayer. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it just in case, right. even though I knew I already did. And so I always wanted to make sure. But growing up, I'm like, man, I'm like... The sinner's prayer can cause a lot of problems because then you put your faith and your hope and your salvation on a prayer and not in Jesus Christ. Right. You know what I mean? And so personally, when I get the opportunity, if the Lord uses me to to reach out to someone, to bring someone into his kingdom, um, the, the way I like to say is like, hey, I don't want you to necessarily repeat a prayer after me, but rather I want to guide you into what the Word of God says about salvation. Yeah. And chances are that somebody coming into the kingdom of God, they don't know how to pray. Right. So it is completely Absolutely. okay to guide them in a prayer. But it's not like these four steps uh, right. in this prayer. These four things say, and you're good. Right. And then nothing. Because a lot of people say, hey, you said you're good. Good luck. Yeah. And there's no discipleship. Yeah. There's no mentoring. There's no growth and nothing like that. And that's, that's where it becomes extremely dangerous. Yeah. And it's also like when you when you get people who had gone through that and... And then maybe lived a very wayward life, you know, and then they come back and they're like, well, you know, I just don't know if I'm really saved. And the amount of 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 people and, and even pastors, you know, yeah. that'll sit down with those guys and go, well, yeah, did you really mean it when you said it? Yeah. And it's like, come on, man. Like everybody means it when they right, say it. Right. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, that's not the question. The question yeah. isn't, did I mean it? You yeah. know, and, 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 you know, one, one of the topics I definitely want to talk about soon yeah. is regeneration, you know, yeah. being born again. And, uh, and that's the ultimate question, man. It's not, did you mean it when you prayed? It's, have you been born again? Because yeah. that's Jesus' own words to the most religious man of the first century, right? Yep. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. Yeah. Um, and that uh, this is going to tie into what we're going to speak about in a bit, so I'm going to say, but like you put your trust in this prayer and not in Jesus Christ yeah. and not, in the, not, not on the Father or the sacrifice of Jesus, and that'll tie into what we're going to speak on. So we will just continue here on. Yeah. 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 We need to do one on assurances of salvation as well one yes, day. Yeah, that'd be a good because one. Because a lot of people say, I'm not sure if I'm yeah. saying like, dude, you gotta get to a point where you're pretty confident yeah. with humility. Yeah. You know, because people I've I've had discussions with people who say, Oh, you can't be boastful, but I'm not, I'm not boastful. Right. I'm just very sure that Jesus paid the price yeah, for me. You absolutely. know, it's it's hum, hum, humble assurance mm-hmm. of your salvation. And in reality, 
that that is that is the most humble thing because you're actually taking all of it off yourself and you're going yeah i know that what jesus accomplished was done in perfection right has nothing to do with me yeah i know what he did and i know that it worked yeah because if you're unsure you're like oh am i doing the right stuff or have i not been holy enough have you been how i've been to enough church services when you know that jesus paid on no matter what it gives you that assurance all you gotta do is live a life in obedience to him that's it man and that's obedience is going to be a topic today it is about it uh, okay, so our passage, Matthew 7, 21 through 27, are you gonna are you using NLT? I'm going to be referring to NLT just so we get two different translations, okay. but he uses ESV, NLT. Um, they're both used in different ways, but I'll probably go back and forth okay. with them. You want to read NLT? It's yeah. a fluent, it's real fluent to read the paragraph, yeah. so if you want to do that, let's do that. Let's do that. So yeah. uh, Matthew 7, verses 21, we're going to read verses 21 and 23, through 23, right? Or yeah. the whole thing. Well, we can do the whole, the second half later. Yeah. Okay, but all right. NLT right here says, "Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws." Mm. Man, man. So we got to break that down uh, because that is heavy. Yeah. And so, kind of in my first point, I, I you know, I, essentially what we did is we like broke this down into kind of four parts of what Jesus is saying. Yeah. Uh, and the first one, ultimately, as as far as what I could think of to call it, is that talk is cheap, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because if you look at what Jesus is saying, very first thing he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. Yeah. We just talked about the sinner's prayer. Yeah. Where they have this idea that well, because you confessed with your mouth. Yeah. Right. That means that you're definitely saved. And Jesus right here is saying, listen, there's a lot of people in that day that have called me Lord that won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And so, and, and, you know, it reminds me of, uh, I think it's Luke 6, 46, Mm -hmm. where Jesus says, why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, he, he calls out people directly who just call him Lord and says, yeah. That doesn't mean you enter. And I get, I think the foundation, kind of what we were talking about earlier with the sinner's prayer, is it yeah. was probably built off of Romans 10, 9, right? Yeah. If you confess with your mouth. Where the dilemma comes in, though, is you can't leave it at that. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of the distortion comes in. It, because Romans 10, 9 in its fullness is that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your yeah. heart yeah. that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so yeah. that's a gigantic difference, yeah. you know, between just word vomiting yeah. things and then actually believing something. Yeah. Um, whenever Daniel had um, said, hey, let's talk about these verses, we were both like, let's do it because there's so much to say. Yeah. Honestly, we could go on and on and on. And one thing that I, I like that you brought up, you know, uh, Romans 10, 9, and here it says, um, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth, right, with that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And like just like you're saying, um, that if you confess it, but also believe it. Yeah. And there's there's a difference between the two. And I always like to say that that, that there's no such thing as an island verse. Like, it, this is a letter mm. to the church in Rome. He did, Paul was not there writing, what's verse 9 going to say? Right. What's verse 10 going right. to say? He wrote this fluently and in its entirety. We 
translators and interpreters have put verses on this so that we can refer to specific parts of the Bible. Yeah. So when he was writing this, he didn't just stop the thought there because in verse 10 it says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. But verse 11 says, as the scripture tells, tells us, anyone who trusts in him mm -hmm. will never be disgraced. And that yeah. is so key right there because it's about putting your trust in Jesus. Jeez, man. And Key these word. guys were not putting their trust because, look, they confessed it with their mouth. They yeah. were saying, Lord, Lord. I 100% believe that they believed it in their heart because they said that they were prophesying in his name they were casting out demons in his name and they were doing many miracles in his name mm -hmm. another part of the gospel jesus had told the disciples that you cannot cast out a demon unless it's through prayer and through fasting right so these people had to have had believed in the power of jesus believe in jesus but they, they still were not saved. Yeah. Why? Because they did not trust, they trust him. him. They trusted in themselves yeah. and in their words. They said, I did this. I did this. Mm -hmm. I did this. And you know what Jesus said? Well, I never knew you. Yeah. And, and you can. That's the thing. You can you can believe yeah. the anointing of the name of Christ yeah. without trusting yes. the death and resurrection of Jesus yep. Christ. And I think... Uh, you know, going off of Romans and even you going to to what was it, verse ten that yeah. you mentioned? That's a that's a good thing to bring up because I, I I I'm teaching through Romans right now in a Bible study we're doing on Mondays. Yeah, and one of the things that we kind of considered uh, it's a it's a very dialogue. You know, yeah. uh, I'm not just teaching; we all discuss. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the Book of Romans. Verse chapter one, verse seventeen, really is the thesis statement for Romans, and uh -huh. it's it's a quote from Habakkuk that the just shall live by faith, that the righteous shall live yes. by faith, right? Yeah. And so, it's interesting that Paul is re-alluding to that. I mean, it's his primary argument because then in verse eighteen, the wrath yeah. of God is real from having it, you know. And so, yeah, man, I, I I agree entirely that you can. There's a lot you can believe about Jesus Christ, but yeah. if you're not trusting his death and resurrection, yeah. I mean, I always say this. If these guys really trusted in Jesus, the conversation would not have been, I did this, I did this. Yeah. The conversation would have been, but Jesus, you died on that cross for me. Yep. That's putting your trust yeah. in him. So Paul Washer, uh, he has this analogy where he says, let me give you three people uh, that when they enter heaven, right? So you yeah. have you have a Jew uh, and a Muslim and then a Christian. And so yeah. the Jew, you know, the Jew goes in heaven and God says, why do you think that you belong here? And the Jew says, well... I love your Torah. I kept your Torah. I memorized your Torah. I followed all the feasts and yeah. the da, da 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 And then to the Islamic, uh, the Muslim, you know, okay, why do you think you belong here? Well, you know, I, I did the pilgrimage and I went to Mecca, you know, all the, all, whatever they, I don't know yeah. all the stuff for the, yeah. uh, for Muslims, but, yeah. uh, they, you know, and essentially what you're seeing is, is <laughs> I did, I did, I did. Yeah, I and did. then Paul Washer gets to the Christian and he says, the Christian would actually say, I don't. Yeah. I don't deserve to be here. Yeah. But Jesus did yeah. for me. Yeah. Boom. But, you know, and just lays out. And, and the ultimate idea, man, is that Jesus, what Jesus did on that cross is that he filled out our resume that qualifies us for the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And if we don't take that resume in hand and trust it, yeah. and we're trying to put in some scribble of our own, and that's even Galatians 5, 5, 3, and 4, that if we're trying to add anything to the cross, yeah. 
we've fallen from grace and we're severed from Christ. And I, I don't know if it was in the Bible or if it, it was just another preacher that I heard, but essentially, like, if you add to the cross, if you add to the grace, you're essentially spitting on the cross. Yeah. I think it was a preacher that said that. Yeah. Like, you're spitting on the cross. You're saying, Jesus, what you did for me is not sufficient for me. Yeah. I want to do more for myself. Yeah, and you that's, know? Man, you go to, I'll turn to it really quick, uh, Galatians 2.21 Man, Paul just lays out this line that is, it's so logically perfect, but also, uh, excuse me, just from a gospel loving standpoint, you know, it's uh, yeah. 221. He says, I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Mm. You're literally speaking out against you're living in a life as though the cross, the blood of the son of God were shed in vain. Yeah. That's the biggest slap in the face. And it's so worthy of condemnation. Yeah. You know, man, it, I, I'm going to stop because I'm going to get crazy. You know what I mean? Like, Like, it's like, we can go on and on. And, you know, just to add to that point is like, is like, you're saying that the suffering that Jesus went through was for no reason, because ultimately sin cannot go unpaid. Sin must be paid for. And ultimately you're either going to allow Jesus to have already paid it on the cross or spit on the cross, nullify the the grace and the the cross, and you'll have to pay for it eternally yeah you know what i mean like it has to go paid but that's why jesus said on the cross it is finished because Mm -hmm. he had consumed the very wrath of god that's why he said father why have you abandoned me because he had consumed the wrath of god he had completely separated from god because god is holy he had sickness and sin on his shoulders and it was our sickness and sins and he finished it you know what i mean and so jesus did it for us it would be so illogical like when you take a step back it's dumb not yeah. to let jesus just it is pay for it straight up foolish yeah yeah 100 so getting on that moving forward now it gets interesting because what jesus does he tells us what's necessary right he yeah. says it's not everyone who says lord lord but the one who does the will of my father in heaven yeah now so he's talking obedience, right? He's saying the one who's obedient to the will of my father in heaven, that's the one who enters the kingdom of heaven. But you know what I love about it? Look at their response. The one who did your will, look at what all we did, <laughs> yeah. right? We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did yeah. many. Like, what do you mean the one who did your will, yeah. right? And man, working in youth ministry, bro, like, the amount of times I'm hashing through and kids, the co- the constant question in their head, I just don't know if I've done enough. And I'm like, you haven't. And you can't. You never will. Right? Yeah. All your good deeds are filthy rags, according to Isaiah 64, 6. So yeah. you can never do enough. You're never going to be enough. Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. But that's even where these guys are. The arrogance to think they're going to come before the throne of God yeah. and go, look at what all I've done. Look at it. <laughs> and they legitimately thought it's enough. They, they thought God was going to applaud when they entered the kingdom. Yeah. You know? <sighs> I think it's crazy. Um, it, Jesus said, only those who do the will of my father. I mean, Jesus taught us that with his words and with his actions to do the will of the father. In Matthew 6, he had taught us how to pray. He said, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth. That's the NLT version. Some people know by other words, but basically is, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus yeah. prayed it. He taught us to pray that. But even in in, in 
I would say Jesus' darkest moment when he said, Lord, if this cup can go past me in the, in the prayer of Garden of Hetzemin, yeah. right? He's like, Lord, he's basically saying, Lord, I really just, in my flesh, do not want to do this. Because yeah. he knew what was going to happen. But what did he say? But let your will be done. Yeah. If Jesus himself, the most perfect man that ever stepped foot on earth, did not have the arrogance to say, look at what I did, right. then we who are best works are filthy rags should not have that yeah. same type of arrogance. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I think... You know, the, the, a question has to come in at that point, which we don't have to jump into that now. I think we can get there yeah. uh, moving forward a little bit. But, you know, well, if it's not, because this is something, every time I've ever used Matthew 7 to preach on yeah, uh, or just use it inside of a sermon, I always reference, like, you guys got to understand that when I'm up here preaching... I'm prophesying in his name. Yeah. Right? Which means you you sit there and you think like, man, this must be the guy that, you know, he's the he he's arrived, you know? And it's yeah. like, no. Dude, I could be. If my trust were not in Christ and Christ alone, I could be up here doing this expounding on theology, all these things, all these doctrines, yeah. just because I'm trying to build a good resume before God, yeah. at which point I would be condemned in the end. Yep. Right? And so don't you can't look at someone's ministry and go, you yeah. know, they're definitely a believer. Yeah. Man. It's so important because, I don't know, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and it reminded me, um, it was whenever um, Samuel had gone out to choose the next king, which was, we know it's King David. Mm -hmm. And Samuel had seen uh, Jesse's first son and said, oh, clearly this is the guy, you know. Right. And God had told Samuel, no, the father does not look on the exterior, looks on the interior. Yeah. There are so many ministers, preachers, worship leaders that have it painted as if they've arrived, like yep. they are dumb. And there have been a lot of cases in which quite the opposite yeah. was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one ha can say that they have arrived. Like, man, I always look at David. David had a heart, the heart of God. He had his heart with God. He wanted nothing but the Father's will. He messed up, but he was humble enough to repent and stuff like that. I'm like, nobody's ever got it made. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? I uh, and I don't know. I don't think I shared this with you. Back in like March, April ish, man, I started having some heart issues. Yeah. Uh, I, I was born with a couple of messed up valves in my heart and then early in my life before I was a, a believer I had a, I had was into a lot of drugs and stuff like that and uh ultimately messed up some of the some of the electrical wiring so mm. to speak from my brain yeah. to my heart and so I I would get these preventricular contractions and it that's nothing new but I for some odd reason just one night I woke up and it would go on for like 4 hours at a time like I had like 17 wow. uh 17 preventricular contractions a minute Wow. Uh, for hours. And so at one point I go to an urgent care and, uh, man, long story short, the, the medical care was absolute trash at this place. The lady there was horrible. Um, didn't even just assumed because I'm a bigger guy that works out a lot that mm -hmm. I don't do cardio and that I've got ventricular hypertrophy, that my heart is big and that it's yeah. about to gas out and literally told me, uh, this is the exact reason that 35 year old guys like you are walking and just drop dead. And so she basically said, you know, it's highly possible that you're going into heart failure right now. Wow. And I don't know what, you know, like heart attack is one thing. Heart failure yeah. is different, it's right? Like, Your heart's done. Yeah, it's, it's slowly giving up. Yeah. Done, yeah. And uh, so, and then after telling me this horrible news, she just walks out of the room and leaves me sitting in there. And so, and I, I'm saying all that, say this, as I'm sitting there, 
I'm thinking, man, I'm about to stand before God. Wow. Right? And like, I don't know when, but my heart is slowly dying and I don't have any longer. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't have much longer. And, and as I was thinking about that, man, all these questions started coming to my head about, but have I lived this out enough? Have I, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that's the thing, man, until you get to that point, oftentimes you don't realize how much you're relying on your own works. Yeah. And so as I'm sitting there in a borderline panic, yeah, something dawned on me. It was like, Daniel, you're not walking into that kingdom wow. because you've done or haven't done. You're yeah. walking in because God is merciful through Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. That's my confidence. Yeah. And and but man, for a minute, I was gonna be like one of these dudes. And it's so it's so easy to fall into that. Especially yeah. like in someone, you know, I would say like us who serve a lot in ministry. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to look at like, have I done enough? Do what? What have I done? Is it good enough? It's so easy to, and like you said, our confidence should be, Jesus paid it all for yeah. me. You know, and, and and that's so assuring because it never fails. Right. It never failed. It never. It doesn't fail, and it will never fail. Yeah. Like That is. That's why. That's why the Word of God says that He is our cornerstone. He is that foundation because it just never fails. Yeah. Uh, I think it's so interesting right here. Moving on here in verse 23, it says, But I reply, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Get away from me, you who break God's law. You notice it doesn't say, I don't know you anymore. It says, I never yep. knew you. Yep. From the very beginning, Christ did not know these never people. Never belonged, man. And so maybe you're thinking, well, did these guys say the sinner's, the sinner's prayer in the beginning that just drifted off? No, 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 no. Jesus never knew they them. They were never in him. That means never had a connection with him, never relied on him, never trusted yep. in him. And if you don't believe that, you're calling Jesus as a liar. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, and so it comes down to, you know, to that, to from the very start, not relying on anything else except Jesus' blood. Absolutely. And it has to be. And, and which I, I think, you know, that kind of our next point, but I, I do want to look at one point before we move forward yeah. going on that. And it's something you and I kind of talked about a little bit ago because how humbling and reassuring it is. Yeah. Um, man, if you're wondering, you know, what's the distinction, right? Like between those who know him and those who don't know him. Yeah. Uh, and let me just say this. This is just an example, right? Like I, I used, so we're going to talk about Martha and Mary. Uh, In Luke chapter 10, I'd use this as an example one time. My friend Alex Foley rebuked me harshly, Uh, JK. We were eating at Black Bear Diner, but he definitely made a point to let me know, like, we always rag on Martha, but there's actually points where Martha also came through, right? So this isn't a rag on Martha session. Just so you guys know, Alex, if you're listening or watching, please don't call me and rebuke me harshly. (laughs) Uh, JK, he's good. Um, But... So Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, um, man, this, this is such a reassuring text. And so yeah. we want to look at the difference, right? And so it says this. It says, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But... Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
Yeah. Right. Like in, it, when you think about that, and it, it's not to say, man, that Martha wasn't necessarily, I wouldn't say that she was wrong in wanting to serve the Lord, but I think her priorities were definitely out of order. Yeah. Right. Mary is just sitting in awe. Yeah. Of every word. It says that she's sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching. She's in awe of every word coming out of his mouth, man, his glory, his goodness, his everything. And she didn't even fully know what she was looking at at the time, yeah. right? You know, she didn't have what we have she now. She didn't even, I, I don't know the situation, but maybe she didn't even know that was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Man. And she was in awe. Yeah. Gazing. And you know what's weird is like, you know, and you could experience this too as as people who preach. Yeah. Man, you can look in an audience and tell who's locked in. Yeah. Oh, man, you see their eyes and you're like, I've got... And sometimes, especially, I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if yeah. God is just doing something in women. I want him to do it in men too. But yeah. man, in our ministry at least, I, I, I'm telling I will see girls leaning forward in their chair. Yeah. Like staring. And I'm like, man, dude, they're so enamored yeah. by the truth of the gospel and the truth of the word. Yeah. And especially hearing it laid out the lot, not, not pampered, not how to be a better person, yeah. but man, in, you know, the most biblical terms, you are used minstrel rags, yeah. but Jesus, you know? Yeah. And so, um, but man, that's, I think that's where you start to, you know, if we were to draw a, a cross reference here, you start to see the difference. You can, man, if you spend, listen to me, if you spend your whole life focusing on the ministry and working the ministry and, and doing the, and this is something you said last week yeah, and you have no time where you just enjoy and encounter your Lord and your savior, yeah. right? Are you not just Martha? Are you yeah. not just busy doing many yeah. things and serving and never sitting at the feet where Jesus says yeah. that one thing is necessary? Yeah. Right? You know, if you think about, uh, I think it was, I don't remember the name of the church, uh, but whatever church, it, in, in Revelation, the second, I think it was the second church mm -hmm. or the first church that Jesus confronted. What did he tell him? He said, you've left your first love. Yeah. Right? In all the things you're doing, you've left your first love. To one of the other churches, he says, you have a reputation of being alive, but really you're dead. Yeah. And then to Laodicea, yeah. he says, you're, you think you're all this, but really you're lukewarm. And yeah. why? They're not lukewarm because they're not serving. They're lukewarm because in verse 17, 317 of Revelation, he says, you think that you're rich. You think that you're clothed. You think that you're all these things, but really you're poor, miserable you know, pitiable, blind, yeah. dumb, and you won't come to me yeah. to get these things. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, I'm, that's something that I'm, and I, I think I'm, I'm also, which I would see it from your end as well, man. We're passionate about that topic because a lot of our job yeah. is to be serving in the church A and lot, in ministry. Yeah. And so it's so easy to start to replace that fellowship yeah with with the lord yeah yeah and i think it's so interesting to 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 understand this martha understood the reverence and the honor that needed to be brought forth before jesus sure she was preparing the best that she could he's like she was like this is a guest not only a guest but this is jesus she understood the reverence the honor the respect that needed to go to Jesus, but got distracted and all the other, all these yeah. other things. And I mean, 
never does it say in the Bible, I need you to serve in ministry. Yeah. Be a youth leader one at least five years in your walk. Be a worship leader. No, it doesn't say that. Mm. It, and I, I like how you said it, it's to be in fellowship with the Lord. And I mentioned the last podcast, but man, as a teacher, as a worship leader, uh, I serve a lot, a lot, a lot. And I've been in the past so caught up in what I do and think that that is a substitute for my private time with the Lord yeah. outside of the sermons that I teach, yeah. outside of the songs that I'm preparing for a Sunday set list. Like, how often was I reading the Word to be in awe of God's Word? Mm-hmm. How often was I sitting down at my instrument, worshiping the Lord, not practicing for a set list, but worshiping the Lord? Right. It was something that I found myself not doing enough of. Yeah. And this right here is is like, I like how it says, in, even in this version right here, it says, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And I think that when you focus on the wrong things, you become worried and upset. I like how it said right here, you became worried and upset when... Having a relationship with Jesus and serving in church should bring nothing but joy right. and patience and kindness. You notice I'm naming the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you have your priorities mixed up, just as you mentioned earlier, it just leaves room for for, for anything that is not the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Being upset, being worried. Envious, envious. And, and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And she's comparing herself to her sister and going, look what I'm doing while she's yeah. sitting there. I mean, I, she said right here, right here in this version, your version says, do you not care? Or right here says, Lord, doesn't it not seem unfair? Well, I'm serving in church. I'm worship leading. I teach, and this guy is over here just seat, uh, heating up a a seat every Sunday service. Yeah. But that person could be at home being in awe of God's word. Man, and there's a. I'm probably not gonna be able to find it on the fly like this. I just read it uh, yesterday, so I bet my note is in here somewhere. Um, but it was on. Man, no, I'm not gonna be able to find it. Uh, it was it was ultimately about that topic, but it was it was about we as so here we go we as servants yeah so Luke chapter seventeen will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field come at once and recline at table will he not rather say to him prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink as well does he thank the servant because he's done what he's commanded. So you also, when you have done all that you've been commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what, our, what was our duty. Wow. Right? What yeah. humility it takes to go, man, Lord, even if I never get acknowledgement for it, right? Yeah. I want to serve only because I want to serve you. Yeah. It's very different. Whereas with, in Martha's perspective in that moment, look, look, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. And now all your attention is on, like what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there, there's a, there's a disconnect there. Yeah. Um, and that's always the priority. And I think, you know, going back to our passage of selection here, I think that's the dilemma for these dudes who are doing all this work, right? Yeah. Their priority is so off. They were never doing it because they love Christ. They were doing it because they had to earn something or they wanted to show or they some wanted people, a big ministry. Some people are just really good at ministry. Yeah. Some people are good at speaking. Some people are amazing musicians. It just comes easy. And when you don't do it out of the humility of your heart, you get the arrogance to say, look at all that I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it reminds me of a household rule that I had growing up. My mom would always say, cleaning the house is not cleaning your room. Cleaning your room is your responsibility. Yeah. Then you come and you clean the house. And like the Lord is saying, no, what I've commanded you, going and doing all this is something I commanded you. You're not getting any acknowledgement for it. Like, I mean, yes, 
I'll, we're speaking on terms of salvation and not, and not salvation right. because there's rewards within sure, salvation sure. of the works that you've done. But in terms of salvation, God is not going to say you worked hard enough for it into the kingdom. Right. No, he said, no, you allowed my son to be that sacrifice for your life. Yeah. You trusted in my son whom I sent into the kingdom, into my kingdom. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so in that, I think, you know, so the question we have to get down to I will declare to them, I never knew you. Yeah. Right. And then he says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So you've got, you've got two main things. One, they never knew him. And two, they were workers of lawlessness, which yeah. I heard one guy say, and this, you know, you and I were talking about this before. Yeah. You have to put workers of lawlessness in context with everything that these guys have previously said. But Lord, we did all these ministerial things. Yeah. And then Jesus says, yeah, but you're workers of lawlessness. And and lawlessness literally means without order. Yeah. Chaotic. Yeah. Which comes down to a matter of priority, right? In other words, yeah, you did those things. You might have done a lot of humanitarian efforts. You might have fed thousands of people over the world, whatever yeah. you did. But it was for the wrong purpose the yeah. wrong reason yeah and that has distorted it and has been done lawlessly yep in fact think about the first commandment you, you should love the lord your god with all your heart soul strength and mind if you're not doing it because you love god yeah then you're, you're doing you're, it because you love yourself right and that's lawlessness yeah. that's chaos that's that's disorder yeah and so but it again it started out i never knew you and so i think you know, and this is going along with what I heard a preacher say one time. The most important question in the world is not, do you know Jesus? It's, does he know you? Wow. Yeah. And I was, man, I remember hearing that and going, yeah. Oh, you know, like it scared me. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. And so, and, and so that's what brings us to this point of knowing the Lord, right? What is, what does that look like? And this is something, honestly, uh, Gama, that you had mentioned earlier with sin. Yeah. That the reason that there are people that the Lord doesn't know, because then you have to get into this, well, I thought God was omniscient. You know, he knows all. and yeah. He does. But there's there's knowing a person from a distance and then knowing them in relationship, yeah. right? Knowing them in union. Yeah. And the dilemma as to why some do not know him in union is because of sin. Yeah. Right? Sin has separated us from God. He is he is too holy yeah. uh, to look upon sin, which really is is it doesn't literally mean that he can't look at sin. I mean in Job Satan came before him, right? He's yeah. the father of iniquity. But what it means is that God is so holy that that honestly I, I in anyway, I'm going to elaborate <laughs> too much. But the the point of the matter is is that God's holiness cannot be compatible yeah. with a sinner. Yeah. And so we've been separated from God and where the misconception tends to come in. And, and, you know, this is very common in the unbelieving world is this idea of cleaning ourselves up. Yeah. Right. But the problem, like if I'm covered in mud, yeah, it would make no sense for me to try and wipe the mud off with myself. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because now I'm just smearing mud. Yeah. I need something clean from the outside to come in and clean me off. Yeah. And so that's where we have to have faith in Christ. Because as you mentioned earlier, on the cross, Christ cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Jesus never did anything to have to be forsaken. Yeah. And yet God had forsaken him on the cross. Why? Because we deserved yeah. to be forsaken. Yep. But Jesus stood in our place and he he, he bore our sin on himself as, as 2 yeah. Corinthians 5.21, that God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. Yeah. And so when that happened... 
all the curses of the law. Like you go to Deuteronomy 28, right? And you read the curses of breaking the law. Jesus bore all the curses of the law in order to spare us from those curses so that we don't have to be separated anymore. And the thing with God doesn't ever change his mind. He doesn't have show favoritism. These are these are biblical statements right mm-hmm. here. No favoritism, doesn't change his mind. And another thing is God does not allow exemptions nor exceptions. Yeah. There is no one that is exempt from the penalty of sin. And people think like, well, as Christians, we're exempt now from it. No, no, no. Someone had to pay for yeah. it. Jesus paid for it. It's like the saying everybody says, nothing on this world is free. Somebody ended up paying for it. Our yeah. salvation is for us free because somebody paid for yeah. it. Like Jesus had to pay that price and when you understand that jesus had to pay a price we deserve like when you completely understand that it humbles you yeah you're like man thank you jesus yeah thank you like so much i don't deserve it i will never deserve it thank you i will rely on what you did on that cross i didn't ask you to do it nor would i ever ask you to do it again right but thank you yeah you know yeah absolutely and so, and that, but, the, and, and that's where it comes in, right? Yeah. If he did that on our behalf, what scripture teaches through a lot of different areas, and I didn't pull a bunch of uh, verses into this, but it's the necessity of faith for our right standing, right? We're only justified by faith alone. Yeah. And so it, it, when you think about a relationship, right, we're, if you're not in right standing with someone, then you do not have a relationship with them. But once yeah. we're in right standing, then we're brought back or we're reconciled. Reconciled, So we're justified in Christ. uh, So we're made right with God, but we're also reconciled. We're brought back to him. But on top of that, and this is where things get beautiful, right? Yeah. We're adopted. Yeah. We're adopted as children, but we're adopted into Christ as brothers and sisters. Yeah. And so we have in this weird, you know, and this is getting theologically very heavy. Yeah. um, But... According to Romans 5, 12 through 21, we have this weird, mysterious, mystical union yeah. where we're born into our first father, Adam. Yeah. And we had to be born again spiritually into Christ. Yeah. And so when we're born, we're taken from one sphere, which is in Adam, the sin nature, and we're we're taken out of that and we're brought into Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so once we're born into Christ, like that's where the knowing comes from. And there's a lot of, like, if, especially if you go Old Testament where God talks about having known people, yeah. it's the same word used for, for sexual intimacy. Mm. Uh, because when sexual intimacy takes place, those the two become one flesh. They become one. Right? And so yeah. when God knows us, we become one. With, yeah. We become one with Christ by faith. We're united with Him. Yeah. Um, even to the degree where in Revelation one through three, we hear that we'll get to reign with Him. We'll yeah. see, be seated with Him on His throne. Yeah. Like to that degree. I think it's important to expand a little bit. I want to expand just a bit on uh, on you saying, you know, uh, whenever we're taken from being born into Adam's failure and his sin and being taken and now being in Christ. And uh, Paul uses Abraham as as an example, you know, that he had put his trust in the Lord. It says that he was counted righteous because he placed his faith. And it's important to understand that Abraham didn't have faith because God counted him righteous. No, God counted him righteous because he placed his faith. And the reason why Paul uses Abraham is to show that before and after Christ, it's always been about trusting in the Lord. Before law was even given. Before law was even given. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so uh, one thing to understand, where was I going with this? So we have Abraham who had placed his faith in him and says, because of that, he was counted as righteous. And in Matthew uh, 25, 46, it says, only the righteous will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
only the righteous. So you're thinking, and this is so easy for somebody to say, okay, well, all I got to do is have faith. When you have that mentality, you make faith a work. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so people ask me, it's like, oh, well, well, like, all I got to do is have faith, right? No, no, that's not like, don't think about it like that because you're making it a work. And having faith is the opposite of having works. It's saying, I have faith because I know I can't work for it. Yeah. So it's a really about, even through faith, so there's a, there's a topic, you know, you can go into, it's like, what saves you? Is it faith? Is it the law? Is it grace? Is it whatever it may be? And it's like um, Paul puts it this way. You are saved by grace through faith, not by works. Right. He puts it in that format, by grace, through faith, not by works. So it is ultimately God's grace first that has to be poured onto us. Then it's through faith. It's not working for it. It's surrendering your work, saying, I can't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Israel's holding up something for us. I don't know what that is. Oh yeah, the the yeah. five solas, the five solas, yeah, bro. Like, did we talk about that last week? The five solas. I know I quoted him on fly, but I don't, I don't think so. we got. Bro, into that's it. like everything that. Yeah. For me personally, you know, when when people talk about the Reformation and being yeah. reformed, like I don't consider reform to be Calvinistic. Yeah. Uh, and Calvin wasn't a Calvinist. Calvinism. Yeah. Was formed, you know, two hundred years after Calvin. Yeah. But. When I think reform, man, I think the five solas were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, according to scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. You know what I mean? Like the end, the second you want to add a sixth sola to that, go ahead and get it out. Right. It's, it is summed up, man. And, and man, I, I get, I get, man, you get me lit up. (laughs) You get me going on grace and faith, man. You get me lit up. I love that stuff. Yeah, man. I remember the first time I ever came across Romans 3.20, and it, and it dawned on me, you know, yeah. when, it, when it blew my mind. For by works, no, for, or I'm sorry, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin, yeah. right? Man, if the law was given to show you you're a sinner, then why on earth would you think that you can somehow make yourself right by trying to keep it? Yeah. It's so contradictory to the purpose of the law in the first place. I like what Paul says. I think it's in that chapter, but he had said, uh, I don't know, I think it's in Romans 7, that it is the knowledge of the law that brings Mm -hmm. sin. It is the, the sinful and selfish desires within you that reads the law and all of a sudden is provoked to want to commit sin and to to expand on that um i host a bible study on sundays i talk to you about it all the time uh i get when we were teaching that chapter i gave i gave an example and it was so hilarious man i had said guys as an illustration for for what i'm teaching today i'm just gonna ask you guys one thing it's part it's part of my my lesson i said guys throughout these next five minutes please do not look at the ceiling. I have a message up there that will serve that. I'm good. like, I'm like, first let me get through these next few verses, then I'm gonna allow you guys to look at the ceiling. And as soon as I said that, they're glancing. They were up. all oh, glancing, yeah, and, I, and I went on. And I kept. I read a couple verses, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, guys, I want you to be honest with me. Who looked up before I told them to? And 
almost everybody raised their hand. I told them to be honest. I'm not going to like condemn y'all or anything. So they all raised their hand. Like, like, see, it is knowledge of a law or command that the sin within you wants to go against yeah. it. And that's what Paul's referring to, that the, that the law was given. I talked about it last week in the in the podcast. I said the law was given to show that we cannot do it. Yeah, That's what it was given for. It yeah. was not given to save. It was given to show that we cannot be saved through it. You know what yeah. I mean? And James says that if you break one law, you break it all. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of times the imagery I use, especially like in the youth ministries, like, or, you know, earlier when we were checking sound, I was talking about motor, my motorcycle wreck. Yeah. Like imagine for a second, if they got me into the trauma center down at Memorial Herman yeah. and they run me through the x-ray machine, they come back through and they're like, Hey, uh, Mr. Rowland, your femur is broken in eight pieces. And so, you know, we're going to need to operate to repair everything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, well, doc, man. What if we just run me back to the X-ray machine a few more times, right? You, like, do you think that would fix it, right? He'd be like, yeah. Like, I mean, that's a Michael Scott moment for you know what I mean. Like, I like that analogy. Though. It is, yeah. yeah. But and that—that's what the law is. It's yes. an X-ray to show us we're broken, right? <laughs> I love that. And when you get an X-ray that shows your femurs in eight pieces, you don't need another X-ray machine. You need a physician. You know wow, what I'm saying? Dude, I love that. Yeah, I yeah. love that, man. And so that's, man, that's what the law is. It shows you that you're busted and that you're separated from God. And when you understand that, you also understand that you still need the law even to this day. Sure. Not to save you, but to re- to remind to you, humble you, you man. need Jesus. Yeah, you know absolutely. Because I mean? people that, that think that, oh, you know, this or that is like, oh, throw the law away. No, no, no. We need it to remind us, yeah. bro, we're going to be screwed up if it weren't for Jesus. Yeah. And that was a struggle that, you know, Martin Luther had that struggle hardcore. Mm-hmm. Once he came out of the the Roman Catholic Church and yeah. and started embracing the doctrines of faith and grace, and he'd start realizing that he'd fall back under these seasons of being under the law, and he hated it at first until he realized that God was it, it's like a roller coaster, you know, which he didn't know it, there wasn't roller coasters back then, yeah. but but God was using those seasons to remind us of our depravity and our sin yeah. to run us even more and more to the cross of Christ. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, you can never negate or neglect or pitch the law out. Yeah. The second you do that, you got a bunch of self-righteous people and they are not believers. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's a self-righteousness is self-exaltation. It's pride in the Lord. He abhors it. He, he could, they could it. be professing mm-hmm. believers, but Jesus don't know them. No, no. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, moving forward, um, that brings us, I guess, to the parable at the end. So if you, you have that pulled up still in I Matthew right seven. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus shares a parable closing out 24 through 27. Uh, Gama's going to, going to bring that heat for us. All right. So it says right here, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in, uh, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Yep. And now that's in an arid climate, right? So it yeah. seems kind of foreign to us here in Magnolia, Texas. Yeah. Uh, but it's in an arid desert climate. And I like how the NLT puts it because it actually calls it bedrock. Yeah. The ESV just says rock. Mm-hmm. And so in some instances that could be confusing, but you have to understand with bedrock, that's very specific for a reason because you have to dig to get to it. Yeah. Right? And so mm-hmm. the point of the matter is this. If you wanted to build a house uh, – in this in this area, you would see dirt. 
if you're a fool, then you would try to build your house on that, yeah. on that sand. But a wise person knows that the bedrock is underneath the sand and that yeah. it's sturdy and firm. And so what they'll do is they'll dig down to find the bedrock and they'll build their house on, that. on the bedrock. Now, I mean, it is a simplistic parable. You yeah. know, that was the beauty of the parables. There, but the the beauty of the simplicity of the parables is that they're also so rich. Yeah, you know, and and the first thing that that I think of is that means to build your house on the bedrock takes digging. Yeah, right. And I when I think about that man, Matthew thirteen, the parable of the sower. Yeah, right. You've got you, and this is man. This, I think this parable, the parable of the sower, is essential yeah. to the Christian doctrine, because you've got four different soils that the seed lands on. Yeah, right. You've got the you've got the soil that's that's by the path yep. and that's kind of hardened from people walking on it. You've got the soil that's shallow. You've got the soil that's in the thorns, and you have the good soil. Yeah, and and that first soil, because it's so hardened and packed down, it, the seed can't take root, so the birds come and get it. Uh, symbolizes Satan, right? Yeah. Our hearts are hardened. We hear the message, but we can't understand it. We can't believe it. Yep. And so Satan plucks it out. The second one, and I think this is the one that I tend, personally, I tend to find more often in people that I do ministry with, yeah, yeah, yeah. is those who have no depth of of uh, depth of soil, I guess you could yeah. say. And so the seed lands and it sprouts and because there's, you know, it sprouts up quick. Yeah. And Jesus says with joy, they hear the message and with joy, they receive it. Yeah. But because they had no depth, when tribulations and trials come, they fall away, they burn up. Yeah. They burn right? up. Right. And so that's one of the, and I, you know, a lot of it for me and working in youth ministry and, and, you know, you're bringing kids to camps and to to denials and all these various things. And we, man, and this is one thing Israel mentioned last week uh, in our youth ministry. He was like, it's really cool because our numbers are going up, but all we're offering is worship in the word. Yeah. You know, and I, that that's something that I did. I don't think I ever thought about it, but like, man, I'm, I'm proud of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm proud that that's all we offer. Yeah. And that's even for us with camps and denials. Nevertheless, when you get events like that, things do get emotional. There's no avoiding it. You know, yeah. things get emotional. Um, but man, you get kids that that they have that moment, and it it seems so real to them. And I think they hear the message, and I think they receive it with joy. Yeah. But then they go back home, and because they had no depth of what the gospel really means, yeah. they fell into sin or they fell into something, and they thought, "Well, now it's all over." Yeah, and I'm going, man, you don't understand what this message is really all about. Yeah, you know. And I think I think that could be, you know, on that instance specifically, just kind of a thought is kind of like. Um, also no desire to want to, yeah. to, because it takes work. It does. It takes work. I mean, this guy, the, the, the wise guy, bro, shoveling. Cause they didn't got, they didn't have backhoes or nah. nothing like that. No, they shoveling and yeah. probably not as not shovels like, not we shovels have, like what we got, man. Nah. So they're digging and for a house or for, for someone to live in it, it, it's a huge area yeah. and it's pretty deep yeah. and it takes work. And, but that God considers them wise. Yeah. And compares it to that foolish person because someone who listens to my teaching, just as Jesus said, and follows it. Mm -hmm. So that means following God's word is not easy. Right. And it takes work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that's the kind of the thought that I had for yeah. that. And it is. And that's even, uh, and, and, and that's what I, one thing I always encourage our youth ministry, one thing I would encourage to anyone who listens to our podcast Man, if you're on the rocks, right? And you're yeah. like, I'm just not sure where I stand with Christ. I'm not sure. You know, if I'm saved, man, all I could tell you is keep 
listening. Yeah. Keep digging. Keep getting under people who are solid in their theology and who are teaching and proclaiming the word. Keep reading the word. Get yeah. in books. Get in. Man, keep keep hearing it right because that's in Mark chapter four, and this is where for, you know kind of my closing point. Yeah, man, if we neglect if we neglect the digging, yeah. then we fall. Right. Yeah. And so for all those people out there who just go, man, it's just not worth it. I'm not gonna like, yeah, man. I remember hearing Ben Stewart one time was saying when he was in college, dude, he just threw his TV away. Mm-hmm. Cause he was like, I just, I, I, I don't know enough. Yeah. I don't know enough. And all these things are distracting me. And, you know, he, he even said, he's like, my point isn't don't watch TV, but maybe there's a season right now mm-hmm. where you just need to turn those things off because you don't know yeah. enough to fix your faith on. You don't, yeah. you haven't dug down to the bedrock yet. Right. Yeah. And so man, don't, don't neglect the work of digging, man. Yeah. Like Peter says in Second Peter chapter one, to make your calling and election sure. Yeah. Have confidence that you belong to Him. Um, and in Mark chapter four, Jesus is sharing parables, and the disciples come up to Him and they say, "You know, Lord, why why are you speaking to Him parables?" And Jesus straight up says it. He says, "To you, it's given uh, the keys to knowing the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them, yeah. it is not." You got to beg the question. Yeah. Right? Well, why why the disciples and not those people? Yeah. Well, where were those people in that moment? Yeah. The disciples are the only one that came to Christ and said, hey, what did you just say? Right? Yeah. Where the other people are like, bah, whatever. And they just bail because it's foolish. They don't get it or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whereas the disciples said, dude, we need to understand this. Yeah. And I even think about John chapter 6 when all the disciples, Jesus starts giving some hard teachings uh, you know, in John six sixty six, it says that all his disciples had left him yeah. because his teaching was too hard. And then Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, you, you want to leave me too? Yeah. And Peter, man, falls down and says, Lord, to whom else will we go? Yeah. You have the words that give eternal life. I love Peter because he's a, I think, a uh, uh, very accurate representation of how a lot of us are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and he, I love the humility that he had, the passion that he had for the Lord. In another instance, whenever Jesus had used his boat to teach, and whenever after that they went and they got oh. so much fish, he fell down to his knees, face to the ground, and said, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Like, dude, like, Jesus should remind you you need him. Yeah. Jesus should remind you that, you know? Yeah. And uh, I know that you said you you had a closing point. Kind of something I want to kind of emphasize also on a closing point is, um, I like how you mentioned the guy that had thrown out his TV. He's like, I just don't know enough. And a lot of times, you know, we're digging and we're digging. And some people are not sure how I dug, far, you know, far enough. And it's like, it got to get to a point where you know you've dug far enough. Yeah. Because when you're digging, you're gonna feel that bedrock. Oh you're yeah. Not, you're gonna. Oh, did I dig far enough? No, you're gonna. Okay, there it is. But it doesn't stop there. Yeah. That's only the beginning. That's now only the foundation. The house, now you build up. Absolutely. And so I want to reference to 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed to the same image from one degree of glory to another. Other translations say, from glory to glory. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And mm-hmm. it's, you got to understand, you got to go as fast as thinking that you're going to reach it, but understanding you'll never reach it as long as you're here on it. We are going through a day by day, going, growing closer and closer to the Lord, working each day harder and harder. Yeah. So it kind of serve as encouragement for you guys listening that, you know, you're digging or maybe you're at a point where you're building up or you're doing finishing touches. Like you're nowhere near done. No. As long as you are alive, you got 
immortal. You can't learn everything that's no. in the world. You can't learn everything about Jesus. And you won't, man, 10 billion years into eternity, yeah. you still won't. You, yeah, no. you still won't. You, but that's that's what makes heaven heaven, man. That's yeah. what makes it so beautiful is that we will forever be growing in all. Yeah. You know? Um, and so that's, man, what an encouragement. You yeah. know what I mean? What an encouragement to to seek and to, to build and to grow. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the podcasts we should also do, man, is, is kind of go over some ways that we learned how to dissect and chew on the word yeah. and different guys that we listen to and stuff like yeah. that. That'd be really cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Because it is important. Yeah. I don't want to say next week, but maybe next week, yeah, unless we feel like the Lord lays something. Yeah. We could probably plan for next week. Yeah. That'd be a good one. That's a fun topic for me, man. I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm a fanatic about it. I love teaching people how to draw yeah. uh, truth from the text and, yeah. and bring it down to their heart. And One thing I do at, like, at work, because I'm a trainer at work, is I train people to be able to train themselves. Yeah. So I do that with the Word of God. When people ask, how do I study the Word or how do I read the Word? I teach them in a way that they'll be able to go on by their So that's that's yeah. effective discipling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I love being able to teach, you know, hey, use these not only say steps, you know what I mean, but use these guidelines, use the sure. structure, use these preachers, you know, people that we know that use sound doctrine, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? We're not going to be naming people here that go based off of emotions right. or anything like that, but uh, I love teaching that too, teaching people how to get to know the word and, yeah. and grow with it, you know? Yeah, man, it's important. It's important to be able to learn how to walk this out by yourself. You know what yeah. I mean? You may never be leading a podcast or preaching, but that's fine. It, it may not be your calling. Not everybody's yeah. called to do those things. Um, yeah. but your calling is equally as important, but just know one thing, man, if we go back to the whole point of what we just talked about, yeah. your primary calling is to know the Lord, right? Personally, yeah. individually, man, don't get that mistaken. Yeah. And, and how do we know him? Like you were talking about Samuel earlier. Yeah. First Samuel, it says that God revealed himself to Samuel through the word, right? Yeah. Like, so let's not, let's not get it twisted, man. It's not these esoteric experiences that you have on shrooms or DMT, like, you come to know God through the purity and the goodness and the beauty and the glory and the truth of his word, and you receive the spirit of God, uh, who is God himself yeah. and who reveals to us and opens our eyes to see all the glory. Yeah. Uh, and praise him, man. Yeah. And God's word is simple enough to understand it and rich sure. enough to dissect it. Sure. Absolutely. You know? uh, kind of like man. what you said earlier. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can read it, give a good lesson. so simple to understand. I mean, word, the word of God... Paul said it so many times that the power of the cross is in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. It's in its what the world called weakness. There's yep. no special wisdom that's required to be able to seek the Lord. Yep. I mean, even if you think that it requires wisdom, the Word of God says, if you want wisdom, ask, and the Lord will give it to you generously. Yeah. There is no excuse. And you know what's peculiar about that? There's a, port of, a part of me just then that wanted yeah. to say it just takes humility, yeah. which is true. But then I think about the Apostle Paul, who was definitely not being humble. Yeah. on his way to kill more Christians when the Lord appeared to him. You know yeah. what I mean? But in that appearance, he humbled him. Yeah, I I, I feel like um, it's got a, it's, it's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always see people sometimes how passionate they are against God. I'm like, man, that person... That person would do some damage in the kingdom of God if they were passionate for yeah. the Lord. Yeah. It's all about your heart. And I always say this. I mean, God didn't see 
uh, necessarily what Paul was or what he could be. He saw or what he could be. He saw his heart yeah. and how available Paul made himself to the Lord when he had that encounter. And one day we're going to have that encounter with the Lord here. You know, we've had that encounter. Obviously, we're here doing this podcast. But you guys listening, you're going to have an encounter where the Lord says, do you want to follow me? How available is your heart? Right. You know? Right. So yeah. maybe humility is not the word, but the availability. Yeah. How available are you to say, I want to seek the Lord with everything? The Word of God says Paul changed his life immediately. Yeah. He was immediately out there preaching that it confused the disciples and and caused the Jews to want to kill him immediately, yeah. you know? Yeah. Man. Amen. Yeah, dude. We could go on and on. How far yeah. are we into this, man? Like an hour or something? Yeah. yeah. Or something. We'll, go, we'll go and wrap up then with some... Uh, oh, man. We'll wrap up with some prayer. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to sit down with your word, Lord. We thank you for the knowledge given. We thank you for the simplicity of your word. We thank you, Lord, that wisdom calls out in the streets. It doesn't call out in the mansions. It doesn't call out in the the places of the prestigious. It calls out in the streets where the normal people are day by day. Your word is calling out to, to those who are simple in mind. And so we pray, Father, that this would be a tool uh, in your hand to bring people to your heart, to bring people to you, and to build them up, and to edify, and to grow. And we pray, Father, more than anything, that Jesus Christ is praised through the work of this podcast. We really, Father, we pray, pray, pray that Jesus Christ is praised because he's worthy of it. He's so worthy of it. As the, as the missionaries once cried out, Father, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward for his suffering. That's what we pray, Lord. Yeah, you've given us this technology. You've given us this gift. You've given us these Bibles right here. You've given us this fellowship. And so may it bring glory to Jesus Christ uh, for his name's sake, for his praise. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. We'll see you all next week. See you all next week. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this podcast has served as a blessing to you. If you want to contact us or want more information, visit our website at storehousemedia.org or follow us on all social media platforms at Storehouse Media. Until next time, grace and peace.